welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your relationship with money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. I'm your host, Tony King, and today we welcome a special guest to the podcast, Jason Hamilton. Welcome to the Personal Financial Strategy podcast, Jason. Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it. Thanks for making time for us today. We're in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a wonderful winter day in Phoenix, Arizona. Bright, sunny. Are you enjoying the same weather where you live and work? It's been pretty nice here. Actually, quite sunny out today. We had a couple weeks straight of rain, which was very unnormal, uh, abnormal for California. But uh, being here in beautiful Orange County, it's a nice sunny day. Okay. And your your office actually is in Orange, California. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a really nice city. It's a 100 plus year old city in the heart of Orange County called Orange. So I have to really explain that to people because uh, sounds like you're uh, repeating yourself. Orange, Orange County. <laughs> it does a little bit. So I'm taking that to mean that at some point in history, that part of Southern California was oranges. No, it was apples. <laughs> no, of course. Yeah, it, it was a, a bunch of big orange groves. They have a few of them left behind. But now we just have a nice city center that has a bunch of antique shops and they try to keep everything very historical down there. The office is about two or three miles north of that. And then I live about two miles south of that area. So all in that right around that nice city center there. That's a nice pocket of Southern California. I really do enjoy it there. Um, You know, you get a little bit north and you get into some craziness up there. But I love Orange County. Orange County is really kind of nice. Well. I've been to your website and I know a little bit of your background story, but I was wondering if you might share with our listeners a little bit about how you grew up and how you ended up doing what you're doing today. Yeah. So it was a bumpy road, but uh, definitely happy to share. So when I grew up, you know, we didn't grow up with talking about planning finances and talking about investments and wealth. You know, it was situation where both my parents uh, worked very hard, but they were both high school graduates and just got into the world of working. And uh, my dad worked in the automotive industry and my mom worked in the restaurant industry. Okay. And so, again, I never was hungry, but it was more of uh, if I needed anything extra, I was always that kid that found a way to sell some candy to make some money. Uh, We would go up to the 49ers training camp and bring cards, get them to sign them. And then we go sell those at the uh, the card store. And I had to find the ways to get anything extra. So paper routes or whatever it may be. But there are definitely times where we had to deal with other circumstances like having to move because rent could be paid and things like that. So it wasn't anything where we had abundance or anything extra. Mm-hmm. And so the thought of, or even discussing like saving and investing and planning for the future just wasn't really part of my culture growing up. And it wasn't part of the culture of the people around me, by the way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for us, it was like, oh, you got some money. Let's go buy something cool. Let's fix up our car or whatever it is. Right. And so that really changed after 2008. Um, 2008 was just a, it just rocked the worlds of a lot of people financially. Sure. And with my family, they had actually started a restaurant just a few years before in a suburb of San Jose in Northern California called okay. Neo Vicino. Oh, excuse me, it's called, it's called uh, Willow Glen. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, the suburb is called Willow Glen and the restaurant was called Mio Vicino, which means my neighbor. Oh, okay. Okay. So it was this little Italian spot and it's really nice little neighborhood there and everything was going good. You know, uh, a lot of the clients that my family had were some of the big tech companies that would fund uh, their lunches or they provide for their lunches doing I catering. See. 
such as you know eBay, Cisco, companies like that. And then once the market shift happened, it just went to zero like very quickly, you know, as far as the business. With the and lockdown. So, yeah, well, the, I mean, it was for 2008. So it was like, Oh, whole, 2008. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a downturn in the market. I'm still stuck in the pandemic. Everyone's still, yeah. Yeah. Everyone's still there. There was the prior big, just a crash of everything. And, you know, if yeah. you go back and watch some of the videos, the news uh, segments during that time, it sounded really bad. We just watched some things recently and it just sounded like the world was going to end. So worse than, you know, COVID basically it felt like, yeah. but so they had a real tight cash crunch and the thing was, is they were actually working with an advisor, someone with the title financial advisor, which is an unregulated title. Sure. Okay? And this person was actually an insurance agent. Okay. And there's nothing wrong in general with insurance agents. They're needed. But a lot of times these folks will try to just fit their product to any situation to make a commission versus working in a holistic manner and providing that comprehensive advice and, and really setting families up with different account types, you know, and actually investing some of the money. And so what happened after I went through and kind of dug through the situation was they were putting a bunch of money in a bunch of whole life insurance policies over a thousand dollars a month, about $1,300 a month that was going into that for over a decade. Wow. And long story short, the fees in those policies ate up their contributions so much that after that amount of time, they didn't even have a hundred thousand dollars in those accounts after 13 years of contributing. So, so that led to a cash crunch that lead, led to us kids having to like help out, save the house, you know, and just really was a challenging time for us all. And during that time, my parents were in their mid fifties. And so I saw that and I didn't know really much about finance. I knew how to earn money. I was always in like some sort of thing where I had sales or I had a little small business but it was never about understanding the proper principles of financial planning and doing things the right way in the right order. Mm -hmm. And so I went on this journey to, to figure out like, okay, I don't want to be here at 55. So how do I fix this? And I just didn't know anybody. I looked around. I didn't know anybody. I talked to people, pretty much everyone I knew was just, <laughs> they had no idea what, how to really you know, proceed forward. So where I started was I typed into Google how to become wealthy. No way. That's how I started. It, it, it's really that simple. And then I found, okay, you know, what a budget is. And then what a 401k was, what a Roth IRA was. And I found this crazy old man, Dave Ramsey, who was talking about, you know, getting out of debt, you know, and paying everything off. And so looking at my situation, I had about 30 grand of student loans left over at that point. I had credit card debt and had a car payment that was more than it probably should have been at that time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then after we got the family house, everything was up to you know doing well about 2009, I lose my job. So this is all kind of in the same time period. And so I had to go through a, a period myself after I had helped out, you know, with the family and getting everything back up to speed, where now I was in a spot where I don't think I couldn't pay my bills essentially. Wow. So I had to scramble, find another job. And that's when I got really serious about saying like, I never want to be in this position ever yeah. again. Yeah. And I started learning about financial planning. I didn't know that's what it was called at that point, by the way, I just started reading. And uh, the Huntington Beach library here was my best friend. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always, you know, since about my early twenties, I've been a big reader. I was a big reader before that. But I just started going to the personal finance section and I actually checked out, I went and looked at this previously and checked on my record. I checked out over a hundred books over the course really? of about two years okay? and just started reading. And it was, um, you know, Jack Bogle, who's a founder of Vanguard uh, and Warren Buffett. And of course, I read Dave Ramsey's book, Susie Orman, all the big names. And what I come to find out is, is like everyone kind of says similar things, but there was no 
really process that really stuck with me. So I like the Dave Ramsey process getting out of debt. So, so I got that. Yeah. But then, you know, his thing is never use a credit card in your life. And so that's a little challenging. And yes, I did try is. to do that for a while. But then I had trouble renting a place because I had no file, no, no credit profile. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, what I ended up figuring out is I got a corporate job. I got a 401k. I was getting some stock options and I knew to put my money in my 401k. I knew that much, but I got the stock options because I got promoted. And I was like, what do I do with this? I don't really know how to optimize this. And so I tried to go get help. And I tried to find a financial advisor to help me out. And I got kind of two roads is what I was getting, two paths. Join, pay my insurance product and I'll help you out. Buying a whole life insurance policy or some you know garbage like that, which I already knew better then. Mm-hmm. Or come back when you have $500,000. Mm-hmm. So I just was in a spot where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to figure this out. And with through a online discussion board, like a personal finance discussion board, I found out about a job called a CFP or a certified financial planner. Yep. And, and I was like, what is that? So I went to research it and I found that actually nearby here at UCLA, they had a program there that you can study to get your certification in financial planning and personal financial planning mm-hmm. to then become a CFP once you get your experience credits. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just took the first class to see if I would enjoy it. And I just like loved it because I was reading all these different books and you hearing all these different things. And that program really laid it out. Like, yeah. here are all the proper metrics. Here are the proper steps. Here's how much your, your mortgage should be. How much, here's how much you should save for retirement. Here's how to project how much you need for retirement. And my background from school was like chemistry, chemical engineering. And so I had that nerd side of me. But mm-hmm. as I was graduating in my last year, I couldn't do the 40 hours in the lab by myself. I was like going crazy. So I ended up going into finance and you know sales management and, and, and companies. And it was actually in the hospitality industry for a while as well. So I started getting into this and I just found myself, I'd work 10 hour shifts, study two hours a night during, during the week, four hours a day on the weekend. And it took me about two, two and a half years to get through the program. And I studied it. And then I went to go find a job in the industry. So I got my certification, went to go find a job. Uh-huh. And what did I find? Same garbage. Let's just say, yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. come sell some whole life insurance policies for us or start in a firm kind of like I have now, which is a registered investment advisor, which is fee only, which is, we could talk about that a little bit, but that's a really just clean model where you're just paying, you know, fees for service and fees for advice. There's no product sales. It's really nice. Yeah. And the pay to start there was so low that living in Orange County, I couldn't really do it. So I said, you know what, does anybody ever just start their own thing? Cause I, I'm, I wanted to start my own business the whole time. That was my goal anyways. Sure. And uh, there's a great uh, podcast for my foundation of a lot of things too. I really love podcasts. I listen to them every day on the way back. Dave Ramsey and another one called Entrepreneur on Fire. Yeah. And uh, John, you know that one? Yeah. John Lee yeah. Dumas. So I wanted to start something. I just thought I'd have to get experience first, but I just said, okay, you know what? Let me just do some research and find out if you can do this without, you know, having to go work somewhere else. Found out there was, found out there was multiple companies that could help you. I paid for that and I paid for some consulting and coaching to help me get up to speed, learn compliance, make sure all my processes are right, found a couple of mentors. And now seven years later, I'm running my firm here, 90, well, probably 100% virtual at this point. It's like 98% virtual. Is it? And helping people in a way that I believe is the best way to help people. And we're really providing that advice and guidance so people can not have to deal with what I dealt with and took me years to figure out. We can do it in about eight to 12 weeks and get them all squared away. Yeah. So that's kind of the journey. But you know, any questions, I'm happy to answer about that. That's a great story, Jason. I love that story. You know, I think I was listening to uh, Entrepreneurs on Fire once and I, this was when I was uh, in the 
infancy of starting my business. And some entrepreneur was talking about being an entrepreneur. And they said the big qualification is there's there's really two. Well, I guess it's it's really one blended, but it's find a, a real problem that people have and then develop a real solution to that problem. And the world will beat a pathway to your door. 100%. Yeah. And it sounds like that's exactly the road that you took to get up to get to where you are today. You know, it is. And it was my problem. But I'll tell you, those first two and a half years, I had to live on faith because the business wasn't coming as quick as I thought it would. And, you know, all, all of that. So you really have to I'll add one more thing to what you said there. You have to have such a deep belief in your vision that you're willing to see it through. And as Tony Robbins says, just burn the boats. And once I made that decision and went all in on it, that's when the business started taking off. So that was the other thing is that you have to have the problem, you know, offer the solution, but then be so committed to it that you're not going to give up when things are challenging, even if you're sitting there for years, just trying to figure out where the client's at and where they're going to come from. Yeah. Grinding. (laughs) Grinding. Yes. Yes. You know, okay. Now we're referencing all kinds of other sources, but I heard a very similar thing on Shark Tank last night (laughs) of all places. Um, They were looking at these guys, uh, you know, for potentially funding their business and the guys were pitching they they needed money for marketing and uh, one of the sharks just said i think it was mark cuban actually just said to them you know you don't need money for marketing you need passion for what you're doing and i'm not getting your passion Mm. passion will overcome marketing every day of the week and uh you guys don't have it so i'm out <laughs> you know as they do on that on that, that show. show but i i really that it, that gave me a little shot in the butt to be honest i was like man i because i do have passion for what we both do uh, you're i think you're a little more uh on the retirement planning side of things than we are at at personal financial strategy and so i'd love if you could kind of uh, uh, give us a little demonstration or, or just walk us through, say a PFS client that we've been working with for a while, they're doing really well. They came to us all stressed out over their money, but we got them organized and they're at, all their debt paid off and they're actually putting money every month somewhere, but contributing to their financial future. If you meet someone like that, Jason, you intersect with someone like that, what what uh, kind of services would your firm bring into the picture? To me, the services come second. The first thing I need to do is learn who the person is, right? Mm-hmm. And, and kind mm-hmm. of where they're at mentally. Because one thing that I've learned working with people of all different levels um, over the years is that I can give you the perfect strategy. But if you don't have the right beliefs, the right mindset, the right perseverance, it's not going to work. Yeah, And if you come from somewhere where you were very stressed out and you were like in debt and now you're out and you're okay, that tells me there was probably some sort of behavioral issues, probably a knowledge gap of some sort. And you probably didn't come from a lot of money, right? That's right. And so if I'm working with somebody like that, I need to learn who they are and where they came from. And then then we're going to talk about helping them get out of what's generally uh, what I call a scarcity mentality, because I know what it's like. My story, I'm telling you, I couldn't pay my bills. You know, I was really scared. I was freaked out. And it took me like a long, took me two years maybe to pay off my debt, something like that after I did start paying off my debt. 
So I was in this place of like deep scarcity in a sense that now that I look back on it, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I could squeeze a quarter till George Washington screamed, you know, it was like <laughs> that, right? But when you're trying to shift into a place now where you have money to save and put away and invest for your future, you need to shift your mindset from that scarcity mentality to an abundance mentality. And what happens between there, between that, you know, that dash between those two is a lot of rewiring of your brain. Right? Mm, mm. So you have to rewire and, and, you know, untach and reattach the synapses in your brain to think a little differently. Right. So depending on how well someone like you, Tony, left them as far as where they're at mentally, I would start with that yeah. um, and see where they're at. But then we need to figure out, you know, when do they want to reach that date of whatever you want to call it, retirement or financial independence? Mm-hmm. Okay? Because if you save, you know, about 5% a year, it might take you 40, 50 years, you know, to be able to retire. If you can save 70% of your income per year, you could probably retire in seven to eight years. Yeah, Most people can do more than five, but not quite 70. So where can we land them based on the numbers of what we're looking at? And what are their other goals along the way? Things like purchasing a home. Do they have kids that need to be funded for education? Do they have a business they want to start? And if it's somebody who might be parents, this is, comes up quite commonly, is the parents that get in these situations are such good people, okay? Yeah. That they just want to do everything for their kids that they never had. But they don't understand that it's important to fund themselves first make sure they're okay before they worry about paying for college, before they worrying about paying off the kids' student loans, for example, if that's a problem, or buying an expensive car for them. So, so there's some steps there we need to take, but some very simple things to start with is, are you getting your match if you have a 401k at work or a 403b or whatever type of job you might have? Are you getting the free money that's available? Right. Right? If you're on the lower income side, did you know that if you put money into an IRA, the government might match you five hundred or a thousand dollars if your income's low enough? Mm. So, depending where you're at from your income scenario, there's some variables here we need to figure out and and help determine you know where the where the situation is. But this is where I start looking at um. I, if you think about you dump a puzzle out and it has a bunch of pieces. I think about each one of those pieces, like a portion of someone's financial picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and those include beliefs, goals, resources. And it's like, how do we craft and create that puzzle? So all the pieces intertwine in a perfect fit so we can get their puzzle optimized to themselves. And this is where having somebody in your corner that's a really holistic financial planner that really understands how to do this stuff is so valuable. And I do see a lot of people on the internet and these blogs hating on financial advisors because they charge a fee. But if you get somebody that really understands this, not only from a financial level, but a spiritual level, can coach people, can get into their mind, the psychology, and help bend them into a new reality and take them out of scarcity and bring them to abundance, what is that really worth? To me, it's priceless. So, so that's yes. where I kind of get kind of start. So, if you want to go a little deeper on any one thing, just you know, lead me down the path, and I'll kind of <laughs> I'll I'll go from there where you want to go. No, I think I think you really hit the nail on the head at that juncture when we we get people to that place. They have learned some things, and it's really important for their financial planner or whoever's going to help them invest from that point forward because they probably haven't been investing at all prior to getting organized with us that person you you need to know 
you need to get inside their head a little bit and figure out where they are at the handoff point. And I love that. And I, I love that, you know, it really flows with the name of your firm. Uh, keep it simple financial planning, which I, I think the general public thinks financial planning is more complicated than it is. And so that's why I love the name of your firm, because you and I both know there are some there's missteps and there's right steps, but it's not any more complicated than that. I mean, it's it's just knowing what's out there and knowing what the missteps are and knowing what the right steps are. It's 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 not rocket science. I mean, things are, are pretty predictable overall in the the portfolio of different kinds of investments has never been wider and never had uh, a wider range of risky to non-risk as it does today. I started studying finance in college, which was a bunch of years ago. And back then, the the options were a little bit limited. But now, gosh, I was talking to a guy earlier today that offers wine and whiskey investment opportunities. Mm -hmm. And uh, what they do is they buy wine, lots of wine before they mature. They're bottled, but they're not at the peak profile of taste so they need another five years before they'll be sold so they buy it at at a low price sit on it for five years and then sell it at a high price i mean i never knew i mean those kinds of uh investment options weren't available when i was stepping into the finance market yeah it's just gonna get wider by the way yeah. so a couple of points off of what you made is um there's too many options. There's too much information. You're you right. On YouTube, learn anything you need to know, but it just overwhelms people. And then you got one guy over here saying this and another person over here saying this and people just freeze and they get into analysis paralysis and don't do anything. And that's the worst thing you can do. Yes. You, you, if you, if you put something in something that's an investment, you're going to be better off than nothing. But plenty of people can also get tricked into things that they don't really understand and lose money. And even the concept, if you're coming from somewhere of a background, like, for example, we work with a lot of first and second generation immigrant families here in Los Angeles. Yeah. And just the concept of investing, they don't have these tools in other countries. So they don't have a stock market. And even people here, the the term, I think uh, it really fits what you were saying about the knowledge is that financial literacy. Right. They don't know what account types are, what investments are, what an ETF is, what a mutual fund is, what a stock is. And so the education portion is so important and going, meeting people where they're at, you know, is yes. the key there is like, that's yes. why I first talked about that. Where are you at? What do you know? And then I can help you, you know, create something mm-hmm. and we don't have to go too deep into this, but there's this whole world in moving into what's called digital assets, which you might've heard of something like Bitcoin or other things in the past. But when you mentioned that wine investment, that's going to tie in because there's something called an NFT, which is a non-fungible token. Mm-hmm. And you can essentially tokenize anything, whether it's a New York City condo, that it's a $40 million condo that you and I probably will never be able to own fully. But if it's in an NFT form, which is kind of just like making a company a stock in a sense, it's very similar. Fractional. You, you, you and I can invest in that. It yeah. could be exotic cars, could be wine, could be art. So not only are things already open as far as the market. Now we're going to have a whole nother market here. It's almost getting like another stock market with investing in so many more things like that. So uh, obviously this last year has been a mess in that world. There's all kinds of scams that have gone on, but it'll probably clean itself up over the next five to 10 years. 
And so these are things that the more, the longer you wait to really learn this stuff, the quicker you're going to get left behind. And this is where you need someone in your corner, like right. personal financial strategies or keep it simple to get you on track and at least get you pointed in the right direction. And then from there, you know, to keep you on track over time. Well said, Jason. Well, I want to thank you for being with us today. And, and I want to give our listeners the best way that they can get in contact with you if they want to learn more about what, who you are and what you do. What is the best way to get in contact with Jason Hamilton? Yeah, um, we have we have some great resources to learn more and also to educate yourself. So um, our website is keepitsimplefinancial.com. That's a good home base there. You can find us there. Um, we also have a couple of Facebook groups, which are wonderful for education. They're free and they're filled with tens of thousands of people that are just learning about this stuff. And I do weekly workshops there. I do them live on Facebook. I teach about all kinds of subjects, retirement, finance and everything there. So our biggest one is called Your Retirement Coach. And that one's really focused in on retirement. And then we have another one called Retirement Planning for Beginners, which is really more focusing on that beginner, just like it says. Right. So I try to make things simple, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, simple and straightforward. But those three places there uh, are really good places to find some information, to get connected, and just ask a question if you have any questions you want to know a little bit more about. Oh, that's fantastic. Listeners, we'll, we'll put those three places in the show notes so you can look those up. Jason, I just want to thank you and appreciate your time and you sharing your financial literacy with us today. And I hope our paths cross again in the future. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. And until next time, strategists keep on strategizing.